and because you hear about this, these uh, t- uh, these proposed tax bills in in uh... this is just for you. Oh, thank you. I can take a mental break. <laughs> See, you just mark down where 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 the goof happened, and you know, just do some things around three minutes. <laughs> Number one. Cut number one. (laughs) Three minutes. Welcome to Retiring Today, the podcast that guides you to and through retirement. Well, today in Washington, President Biden met with some of the top congressional leaders to talk about a $2.3 trillion infrastructure bill. Senate Minority Leader Mitch McConnell, Lauren, he has said, you know what, I don't think $2.3 trillion is what we should pay for this. I think it should look more like $800 billion. Your dad was in the car sales business for a long time. Is this a negotiation that can be made? This is not a good starting point. Molly, I got a great deal for you. You have a, a car that's valued at $25,000. You go you go to a dealership, and they're going to give you $25,000 for it, except for you don't want to go to a dealership. You want to sell it to me. Okay. I'm offering you $15,000 <laughs> for this vehicle. What do you think? No. Hmm. 16? 23. 16 and a half. Oh, right. No. That, that, we're, we're a ways apart. And most of the time when deals start like that, that, that deal's not going to happen. Because I, I clearly don't think your vehicle's worth $25,000. You clearly don't think it's worth fifteen, And you want to get as much as you can for that. So the negotiations are a ways apart. But we're talking about legislators. And we know they're going to come to some kind of deal. So now it's a matter of what deal is it going to be? Is it going to be closer to the $2.3 trillion or $800 billion? We're going to find out. Uh, and more importantly, we're going to find out the details of the bill. Because the details of the bill are going to determine then what kind of retirement planning strategies and tactics we're going to be able to implement with our family's plans to help them deal with whatever repercussions come from this bill. Yeah. And the details of the bill are that American American families plan. That's where some of this tax talk comes into play. And I'm going to assert that whether you're listening to this, uh, you know, before the vote, after the vote, the stuff that we're going to talk about today is the stuff that lawmakers are always talking about. They're talking about step up basis. They're talking about capital gains. They're talking about moving around the federal income tax brackets. And Lauren, no matter who's in power, Republican or Democrat, no matter literally what year it is, This is the kind of stuff that you're always watching and pretty much always talking to families and individuals about. Yeah, I mean, the the tax law changes really is job security for CPAs. And it's also, to some degree, job security for retirement planners. I mean, the last big tax bill that took place was 2018. That's It was the, the Tax Act of 2017. And then there was also another big one in 2010, but there were a lot of tax changes in between 2010 and 2018 as well. So this is something that we have to watch all the time and make sure that the plans accurately reflect what that tax law is and the strategies that are necessary to help our families keep it as much of their money as they can. Because the vast majority of of Americans' retirement savings is in pre-tax accounts, which means they've never paid taxes on this savings. So they're sitting there looking at their 401 k plan and as you're listening to us you might be looking at your 401k plan right now so you're looking at your balance let's call it a million dollar balance how much of that million dollars do you actually get to keep how much of that million dollars do you actually get to spend the answer to that is going to be how much of that do you have to pay taxes on what is that tax bill that you're going to owe to uncle sam and what's the tax bill that you're going to owe to the state that you reside in and these tax changes will can 
directly impact what your tax bill is, which is why we have to pay so close, close attention. Okay. And so the goal of this podcast is to help pre-retirees and retirees. So what we want to do is take some of the headlines that are associated with this latest tax talk in Washington and put them through the lens of a retirement planner, that retirement planner. Of course, you've already heard his voice. It's Lauren Merkel. He's a certified financial fiduciary and a certified financial planner. So we'll take the headlines. We'll put them through his lens because we know in Washington lawmakers, when they're making these deals, they're probably not going, hmm, what's best for pre-retirees or retirees? And the journalists, when they're writing these, these some of these articles, they aren't necessarily asking what's best for pre-retirees and retirees, but Lauren Merkel is. Lauren Merkel and the team here at Merkel Retirement Planning are because that's what they do. They focus on pre-retirees and retirees. And one thing I know that your families love when you guys uh, do that's I think maybe different from some of the other advisors they've maybe sat down with before Lauren is looked at the tax piece. I mean, that is one of the five guiding principles that helps write every retirement plan uh, that you write here at Merkel Retirement Planning is taxes and putting more money in people's pockets. That's when they really smile at you. We start out looking at their tax plan and we end looking at their tax plan and we look at their tax plan everywhere in between because taxes have such a big impact. Uh, most people are, are worried about the market risk. Most people are worried about the March of 2020 when the market implodes by 34% in 22 days and they see their 401k. You see your 401k balance lose 20 to 30% within 20 day time frame. That's what most people are concerned about. But what most people, when they look at their retirement plan, so when they have their written customized plan done and they start to see the impact that taxation has over their resources over the course of their 20 to 30 year retirement, now their concern really shifts. Because they already know, we know, that as long as they do the right thing in the midst of that, that market decline, that the market's going to come back eventually, and their portfolio is going to come back eventually, and they might have been down 20% over a 20-day period of time, but if they hang on to it, they're going to get that 20% back, and what happened last year is most people got even more back, so they ended up in a better position 12, 31 to 20 than what they were January 1st to 20. When it comes to the tax risk, if you pay 20% in federal tax every year, you're not getting that money back. And you're paying it this year and you're paying it next year and you're paying it the year after. So that is the biggest wealth eroding factor when it comes to your retirement savings is taxation. And that's why we, we need to create portfolios that are recession resistant that so you're not going to blow up when the market blows up. So that is a concern. We need to address that but we need to really apply a heavy level of focus on tax planning. The unfortunate part about what we see from a tax planning standpoint in this country is there's very little tax planning that is done. Uh, there's, you know, I talked to somebody not, not that long ago and he came to one of our, our in-person workshops and we talk about tax planning, of course, in our in-person workshops. Right. And uh, he came into the, the meeting uh, to sit down and talk with me after that. And he was talking about these, t uh, these, this tax planning that I was talking about this workshop. And he said be between the workshop and then when he came to talk with me, he went to talk to his CPA and say, Hey, I need to do some of this tax planning. I was at this workshop. They were talking about all these take great tax strategies. I need to do some of this. And the CPA said, that's not what we do. Uh, and the guy was like, well, what, who do I need to talk to? And the CPA told him, go talk to a retirement planner. Well, he already had an advisor too. So he went to his advisor and said, hey, I need to do some of this tax plan. And the advisor said, we don't do that. Go back to the CPA. And he said, right. go back yeah. to the CPA. That's exactly what he did. There's just very little tax planning that's done. What you pay your CPA for is exactly what they do. And most of them do it really well. 
you pay them to save you the most amount of taxes in that prior year as you possibly can. And by the way, that's their classical training. They are trained to minimize your tax bill for that prior year. So it's not like they're doing anything wrong. They're just not engaged in the forward-looking tax planning. So one of the most powerful elements of our tax plan, the five components that you, the five guiding principles that you referenced, Molly, is that tax planning principle. And that's why we apply so much focus in the beginning phases of developing your retirement plan, the middle phases, as well as the end phase. And a quick reminder, all tax laws come from lawmakers. <laughs> so here is what the lawmakers are talking about. Here's the first headline we want to look at through the lens of a retirement planner. This is a Kiplinger. Kiplinger. I, I, Kiplinger. Thank you very much, very Lauren. Welcome. How much of your estate will be lost to taxes? That is a big concern. And the concern with the most recent talk, Lauren, is the elimination of the step-up basis. Explain to us what that means and how it can protect, or excuse me, impact pre-retirees and retirees. If you look at the tax proposal that is being, uh, well, the tax proposal that's being proposed, if you look at it, there are a lot of different elements of that proposal. This is probably the most overlooked when it comes to baby boomers, when it comes to pre-retirees and retirees today. Uh, and I think part of that is because many people don't realize what step up in cost basis actually means and then how it is applied to their situation. So let's walk through this. Let's talk about what this cost basis is, what step up in cost basis means, and then what the real world impact can be if that step up in cost basis is eliminated. Okay. Step up basis. What does it mean? Okay. Well, let's talk about cost basis. So cost basis is, uh, and let's say, let's say you, you bought a house for $500,000. Your cost basis in that house is $500,000. So it's the amount of uh, purchase. It's a purchase amount plus any of the other uh, amounts that you've invested into that house. 10 years later, you sell that ha house for a million dollars. But let's just say your cost basis still stayed at 500000 Well, you have a $500,000 gain, okay? If you didn't sell the house and you passed away, then you the the kids inherited the house. It's valued now. Their cost basis is not five hundred thousand, which is what your cost basis was. They get what's called a step up in cost basis, which now their cost basis equates to what your date of death market value was. So if the market value of that house on your date of death was a million dollars, their cost basis now becomes not five hundred but a million dollars. Which means if they were to turn around and sell that house. Two days from then, five days from now, and they sold it for a million dollars, they pay 0% in tax on that million dollar sale. Got it. So that's how powerful that step up in cost basis is to your beneficiaries, beneficiaries because whether it's your house, it's your brokerage accounts, your savings accounts, checking accounts, um, uh, what's really popular around here in Iowa is farmland. So whether it's your farm, all of these assets. Did you say stocks? Two? Can you uh, pass? I, I said brokerage account, okay. which, which, yeah, it would be stocks. Okay. So if you have some highly appreciated stocks, let's say you bought Apple 10 years ago yeah. and you just hung on to it and you didn't do anything with it. Well, now you have an extremely low cost basis, an extremely high appreciated value. You pass away, your kids pay 0% tax on that appreciated value. So what they're going to do is eliminate the step up in cost basis for those assets that otherwise they would have had that step up in basis, like those assets that I, that I referenced. So if they eliminate that step up, 
let's go back to that same scenario. They have the, the you pass away, the value of the house is a million dollars, but your cost basis is 500000 The kids, they can sell the house, but they're going to have to pay taxes on that $500,000 appreciation. So that is what is looking to be eliminated with a few exceptions. So really the main exception is uh, if the property is, so let's say it's, it's farmland. So it's ba- basically the se- ex- exceptions are for businesses and farmland. So if the farmland is still being operated by the kids as a, as a farm, then there is an exception to that. If the business is still going to be operated by the beneficiaries as a business, then there is an exception for that as well. So one of the biggest concerns of the elimination of this step up in cost basis, especially here in rural Iowa, is that these legacy farms, these third generation farms, are going to be passed on to the kids. Everybody wants to keep this farmland in the family and keep that legacy going. But if they didn't have that exception in there, it would force a lot of families to sell that farmland. And the same thing with these businesses. If you, if if mom and dad has started this business and they they've kept this business going and thriving, and the business valuation is three million dollars, and when you inherit it, you have to pay a a, a tax on it to the tune of eight hundred thousand to a million dollars. Most people just don't have that, so they have to sell that farmland. They have to sell that business, which can really uh, destroy family. Uh, legacies. And so that's, I mean, guess, I guess that's the importance of having those exceptions in there. Now, I haven't seen all the detail that all the detail of those exceptions has not been published yet, to my knowledge. So we'll dig into that as this bill goes through and, and gets passed. But uh, it is a good thing on the surface that they at least have listed those exceptions. And I read something about if this passes, so if they eliminate the step-up basis, it changes legacy plans. Because a lot of people, I think, Lauren, plan to leave the home, especially if it's like the second home, the lake home, uh, some of those things. They plan to leave it to the children a lot of times. Yeah, we have that quite a bit with our families. Uh, probably no big surprise that a lot of our families, when they retire, they want to spend the winters somewhere else where it's warm. They don't have all this this snow and the ice. So they do have a second property, and I hear it time and time again. They want to leave the vacation home. They want to leave the lake house to their kids. Uh, that They've created a lot of memories there, and they just want to keep it that way. But this could change that This could, because obviously that's not a business uh, that's operating. It's not revenue producing in most cases. So if that lake house is valued at 750000 but they bought it for 250000 12 years ago, that's a big tax bill for these kids. And the chances are that a lot of them won't, won't be able to maintain that house. The next headline comes from Financial Times. This one says Biden tax plan could hasten shifts to ETFs. This goes back to capital gains, Lauren, and the capital gains tax, and also looking at mutual funds, something I know you're not a big fan of. We've talked about ETFs as a great alternative to mutual funds for a long time. Yeah, mutual funds do have a place. Uh, They have a place when maybe you're 25, you're 30, 35 years old, you have a little bit of money, you're just trying to set aside $100 a month, $150 a month to build some wealth for way down the road. But once once you've accumulated a lot of wealth, and now you're on the doorsteps of, ret- of retirement, knocking on the door trying to get in, mutual funds can actually create more disadvantages to you than benefits. And one of those big disadvantages is the inefficiencies when it comes to taxes. And we have seen this play out time and time again over the last five years. Because since 2008, since 2008, Molly, there you go, got rid of the end. Since 2008, the market has pretty much gone straight up. I mean, there was a little hiccup in 13, maybe a little in 15, of course, 18 was a little bit, but, but 
predominantly the market has gained a lot of money over the over the last 12 years so what we've seen in these mutual funds is these stocks that managers are buying they have appreciated significantly and what we've seen is they've started to take some of those profits off the table, which means they're selling those stocks, which generates capital gains tax. And you as a shareholder of that mutual fund, they have to pass that tax bill on to you, regardless of how long you've owned that mutual fund. So let's, as an example, let's say you bought XYZ mutual fund December of 2020. Well, if that mutual fund, those managers sold a lot of positions to take some profits that mutual fund realized a lot of capital gain. Now you have to pay your share of that capital gain tax, even though you did not participate in any of those gains throughout the, the time frame that the mutual fund experienced those gains. So what that means is, is people can buy into mutual funds, actually lose money on their investment, but yet have a big tax bill at the end of the year when they, when they get their 1099. And of course, we're having this conversation because President Biden has proposed increasing the capital gains, nearly doubling it for those who make more than a million dollars a year. So maybe you're listening and you're saying, well, I've got a bunch of mutual funds. I'm nearing retirement. What should I do? Here's a great opportunity to talk directly to a retirement planner. Go to MerkleRetire.com, that's M-E-R-K-L-E, Retire.com right now, and you can schedule a complimentary 15-minute retirement checkup call. It's really simple to do. You get right to a calendar, you can pick your date and your time, and you can talk directly to a retirement planner about your retirement situation. Let's go back to capital gains. And I think a more important takeaway, Lauren, is the mutual fund versus ETF debate. As people move to and through retirement, a lot of times you look at their mutual fund portfolios, you see a lot of fees in there, you see that they're paying those capital gains taxes, and sometimes you you may recommend or talk to them about ETFs because the fees are a lot lower with those exchange, exchange-traded funds. There's two different things there. So we're talking about the fees, uh, and then we're also talking about more efficiencies when it comes to taxes with ETFs as well. So let's hit on let's hit on both of those. Uh, what we are doing with a lot of our family. So a family comes to us, they have half a million dollars in a brokerage account and it's mutual funds that they've had for the last 10 to 15 years. So they have a lot of appreciation within those funds. We're looking for uh, very, very intentional areas in which we can uh, tax harvest. So sell these positions, not experience too much capital gain on the sale of that, or maybe offset it with some other losses. We're looking for an efficient way to get out of those different mutual funds to get into something more efficient, which would be an ETF or individual positions or something like that. So we, for, for those families, we're trying to create a more tax efficient experience with their portfolio. Mutual funds are not it in most, most cases. Um, and then it comes to the investment fees. So with mutual funds, there's a lot of hidden fees that exist within mutual funds. ETFs, there are fees, and there are even some hidden fees within ETFs, but predominantly, they're a lot less. So if you switch out from a very inefficient tax mutual fund or a very inefficient from a tax standpoint mutual fund with high hidden fees and you switch that investment to a low-cost, very efficient ETF, that can save you on two fronts from the investment fee as well as the actual fees that you pay at the end of each year when it comes from a tax standpoint. One of the biggest, for, for that family who has come to us, they have a half million dollars in, in mutual funds in a brokerage account, that's one of their biggest complaints or that's one of their biggest concerns is every year, even though they don't need this money, 
they're paying this big tax bill because of the inefficiencies of these mutual funds. So making that, that shift, making that portfolio adjustment to more uh, fee efficient and tax efficient types of investments like ETFs is really important. There is a, a study that I ran across. I want to get this name right, so I'm going to read it. Uh, Matthew Bartoloni. And he is the head of America's research at State Street Global Advisors. So what he's, based on his study, he said last year, uh, 7%, only 7% of ETFs had capital gains or paid out capital gains, as opposed to 83% of equity mutual funds. So 83% of equity mutual funds paid out or you would have had a tax bill, a capital gain tax bill in those as opposed to 7% in ETS. They're just a lot more efficient typically, not only from a cost standpoint, but also a tax standpoint. Yeah, I think we read the same article. He put that in a chart and there was just this little sliver for the ETFs and then this big giant bar for the uh, the mutual funds. It makes a big difference. And especially we're not talking about a one-time event. I mean, we're talking about every single year. If you, if you plan on being retired for 15, 20, 30 years, that adds up. And especially the bigger your portfolio gets, the more intact savings that that can create from an opportunity standpoint, if you can position your portfolio to be more tax efficient. Let's go back to capital gains a little bit. Another headline, how advisors and wealthy clients are bracing for huge capital gains tax hikes. And and the, the lens that we're putting this through, Lauren, is yours, the retirement planner. And I think maybe you've made a pretty good case already that, yes, the wealthy are going to get, uh, if this passes, the wealthy, their tax bracket will go up, their federal income tax bracket. But I also think you don't have to be the ultra wealthy to be affected by this. No, in fact, there's going to be a lot of people that are impacted by this, whether it's from a step up in cost basis and whether it's you are the one inheriting the money or you are the one trying to pass these assets on to your loved ones and, and charities, uh, or if it's from the capital gains taxes, um, or if it's from the repercussions of these types of tax in, uh, tax bills. So as an example, the capital gains tax increase increases. That's a significant increase right now. The highest level of capital gains tax is 20%. And then you add the Medicare surplus tax on top of that. So that's 23.8%. That is looking to move up to 39.6% plus the 3.8%. So over 43%. Nearly double. Nearly double. So if you are one of those that's going to be impacted by that and you have $5 million underneath this brokerage account and you have these big gains because you've the market's gone crazy over the last 15 years and you have the choice to sell those gains and pay 23.8% or you can wait until capital gains nearly double, what, what are you going to do? Sell. You're going to sell. You're going to realize those gains and it's going to hurt. It's going to be ugly to pay the 23.8%, but it's going to be a heck of a lot better than waiting and paying over 43%. So what happens, the way this market works is if there's more buyers than there are sellers, the market goes up. But it works inverse as well. So if there's more sellers than there are buyers, then the market's going to go down. So if we have all these brokerage accounts, all these people with these big embedded capital gains who are faced with that decision, let's sell now to save nearly half the tax bill, there's going to be a lot, of, a lot of sales that are taking place in the market. So we could, even if, even if you're not directly impacted by the increase in capital gains, your 401k plan balance could be. Because that would be big motivation for people to sell as opposed to buy, which could have some negative repercussions on the market in as a whole. Going back to, oh, talking about the homes, passing down your home, passing down stock, land. Can you 
get around some of these tax implications with with a trust? There, the, yeah. So there's there's a number of different strategies that you can use, uh, but you want to be really careful, especially when you're talking about legal documents like a trust. Uh, so there are some types of trust out there that you can develop and you can have transition the ownership from these properties to the trust that can help you save some of the taxes. But the rules are very intricate. They're very detailed. And you want to make sure that you have specialists on your team to make sure that this is happening the right way. I see mistakes on this all the time. Uh, so you want to make sure you have an estate planning attorney and that's all they do. You want to make sure that you have a retirement planner and that's all they do. And it would be beneficial to have a CPA who specializes in tax planning as well. And if you have those three team members on your team, then the, you can create some really significant strategies to help mitigate the impacts of this tax impact of this tax bill. And those those three teams need to be uh, consistently watching the tax changes, the tax legislation changes, because the strategies that you will use are going to change. The strategies that we would, would, would have used uh, from, from 15 years ago are now obsolete in many ways. So we have to be constantly monitoring these changes and making sure we're or changing the strategies as well. And one of those strategies that may at least decrease your tax bill going forward is a Roth conversion. A Roth conversion is a strategy that we've used quite a bit, and we really, really leaned heavy on the Roth conversion uh, gas pedal last year. Whenever we get a, a big market decline, if it makes sense from a tax standpoint to engage in a Roth conversion, then it really makes sense to engage in that Roth conversion when the market's down. What, in essence, what we're talking about with a Roth conversion, let's say you have $100,000 in your pre-tax IRA. This is money you've never paid taxes on. And it makes sense for you to take $20,000 from that pre-tax account and shift it over to the Roth. What happens to you is you pay tax at your ordinary income bracket on that $20,000 that you take out, and you shift it over to the Roth, where now forever it grows tax-free. So 10 years from now, that $20,000 in the Roth has doubled to $40,000. You got that all of that growth tax-free. And then even at the age of 72 when otherwise you would have been mandated to take distributions. So that pre-tax IRA, you're still mandated to take distributions. That Roth IRA, you're not. So not only do you can you potentially save quite a bit of money from a tax standpoint, but now you gain more control over your retirement savings as well. You can take it out at 72 if you want to, but you're not mandated like you are your pre-tax 401ks, your Roth 401ks, and then even the pre-tax IRA. Is there anything else as you have been reading the headlines yourself, looking at what's happening in Washington, anything else that you think pre-retirees and retirees should zero in on? Uh, it depends on what your situation is. There's a lot of moving parts when it comes to all of this. The tax legislation or this big, big bill is heavily focused on a tax from a tax standpoint. And the, the, we've referenced a number of strategies here today, but there are even more strategies. We didn't even get into things like the IRA relocation strategy. There's a lot of different strategies that are out there that might be applicable to you but they're not applicable to somebody else. So these strategies that we talked about here today may not be applicable to you, but something like the IRA relocation strategy or some heavy estate planning, maybe an irrevocable trust, things of that nature might come into play for you. So I really encourage you, if you have not created a retirement plan, get started with that plan. If you have a retirement plan, then now's a great time to reevaluate that plan and make sure that it, that, that plan is being adjusted for not only the proposed changes, but changes that already took place. You know, we haven't even mentioned the SECURE Act, which was a big change, not only from a tax standpoint, 
right? But a legacy standpoint that took place January 1st, 2020. So if you have a plan, reevaluate it and make sure it, it uh, is going to fulfill what it is that you're trying to accomplish from a retirement standpoint. And if you haven't started, now's a great time to get started with your plan. Yeah. And if you want to learn more about the SECURE Act uh, and, and how that did impact retirement, we've got some great resources. Look inside our podcast library for a podcast on the SECURE Act or go to YouTube, search Merkel Retirement Planning. And we did a whole television show on the SECURE Act and how it eliminated the stretch IRA. So you heard Lauren talk about strategies. We know that in Washington, legislation is a risk. It's a risk to your retirement and it can impact your retirement. So if you want to talk specifically about a strategy that you can use, go to MerkelRetire.com. That's M-E-R-K-L-E Retire.com right now. And you can schedule a complimentary 15-minute retirement checkup call. We'll continue talking about strategies to help you move to and through retirement on this podcast. Subscribe and tell your friends it's retiring today. Merkel Retirement Planning is an independent financial services firm helping individuals create retirement strategies using a variety of investments and insurance products to custom suit their goals and objectives. Any information discussed in these shows is for educational purposes only and should not be construed as investment, tax, or legal advice. Investment advisory services are offered through Elite Retirement Planning, LLC. Insurance services are offered through MRP Insurance, LLC. First headline, a Kiplinger article. Kiplinger. Thank you. First headline from a Kiplinger article. How much of your estate... Kiplinger. Fudge. First headline from... Oh my gosh. Poor Michelle, she's quitting. Did you see her resignation letter? <laughs> she just took it out of her pocket. This is going out Friday, right? Yep. Yeah. And you got nothing else to do between now and then. Nope. Sure don't. So, see, we're good. We don't, we don't have a new client open house. Do you want to start over? No, it's fine. Are you sure? No, we should just keep going. <laughs> Do you want to start over? I don't know. I think I can do better. Or I don't. I just want you to be able to do one take. I think we can do one take. We can do one take. Do I one know we can. All the time. I know. We just weren't zeroed in. I'm sorry. <laughs> okay. I was okay. sidetracked okay. by Ellen. Let's let's start over. Okay. <laughs> you were sidetracked by Ellen. <laughs> I, I was reading CNN articles and I got sidetracked by Ellen's <laughs> talk show ending. Oh. Uh, okay. 